Well, thank you again for making the time to uh, tune in and listen on the YouTube channel. It's Living Hope Wesleyan Church on the podcast. It's Living Hope Wesleyan, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts. You can find all that information there. Just wanted to give a quick update that the online service begins summer hours, 8 a.m. online service. And then at 9 a.m., we are going to be meeting in person. This is at my parents' field behind the chapel campus. And we'd love to have you uh, be a part of that. But I believe people's stories matter. We can certainly learn from others and how God has worked in their lives. And one with a tremendous story, longtime friend, or at least I call her a friend. This is Rhonda Moore. Rhonda, welcome in. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's good to be here. Oh, my goodness. We haven't seen each other in so long, but it's wonderful the connections that still remain, right? Oh, it certainly is. And so I want to backtrack a long way, or at least for me. Burke Camp, it's a uh, Christian camp that our family's been a part of a very long time. And I was actually too young. I was in the children's program. But I remember my sister talking so much about your husband, Lloyd, who did the youth program that year. What was it about camps that you liked or maybe you didn't like, but Lloyd was so good at? Oh, we had so many wonderful memories of of different camps, Burke being one of them that we, we would get to go to and just like really speak into lives of kids. I did children's ministry and he did youth ministry. So I think you were in my kids ministry, probably uh, Jeff. And, uh, but just, uh, I remember um, I got the nickname at Burke camp, Rhonda, the road runner because I would run back and forth from the where the kids' ministries were being held to my trailer and getting things and so forth. But to be able to speak into whether kids or youth lives, like there's nothing like it, right? I mean, and then to see them be so hungry to want to understand what the teaching is for that week and to see like lives transformed. I think for Lloyd, what was so beautiful, youth just loved him because he had time for them. And when he was talking one-on-one, which he loved, um, they were always the most important person in his life at that point. And so because of his being trustworthy and them knowing that it, even the information wouldn't go to me, um, kids just realized that they could tell him anything. And, uh, And so they did. So it was always a, usually at Burke Camp, a hot 10 days. Yes. Um, but it was a wonderful there. Um, I did not like the outdoor toilets. That's one thing I didn't like. <laughs> but you know what? You do what you do. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, great times. And uh, as I recall, and I'll probably pronounce it wrong, but you were from North Gore, Ontario, or at least that's where the local church was that you were a part of. Backing up even before that, when you knew that you were going to marry Lloyd, How excited or disappointed were you that vocational ministry was going to be a part of your future? Well, you know, back then I didn't even think of it as exciting or not. It just what it is, what it was, you know, and um, I was marrying the man of my dreams and he was already had been a pastor for a year. Um, And so I just joined him in what he was already doing. So we were at Shovel Quebec then. Then we moved to Belleville, Ontario, and then to North Gore, and and then other places after that. I could sing the song, I've Been Everywhere, Man. 
And then the standard denomination, that's what this local church was before we merged with the Westland denomination. That's what you were a part of before uh, merging and uh, going as well with the Westlands. Can you talk about your understanding of when they decided to merge? Was that something you were excited about or were there some loyalties that made it difficult to make that transition? Well, I don't know whether you know this, Jeff, but actually Lloyd and I um, joined the Wesleyan Church before the merger. So we were already part of the Wesleyan Church when we went to Bethany Bible College, going back to get his master's in counseling. We had to take kind of a backward step to get accredited before we took a forward step to go to Asbury um, Theological Seminary and get his uh, counseling. So it was at that point that we realized that we wanted to have um, many open doors for our kids, um, Scott and Annette, so that they could have ministry. And so we made the decision at that point that um, we would join the Wesleyan Church. And then it was, of course, we were thrilled when the Standard Church um, merged uh, several years later. So now we felt like our stomping ground and our roots were connected where we were. And so it was great. And something you mentioned, Bethany Bible College, that's when I really get to know Scotty and you guys even more. I was, well, a freshman at college when I think Scott was a freshman in high school. But it was just so amazing. You served as the dorm parents. There's probably a more official name. But uh, that time together was very unique. And for me, it was much needed. I'm still selfish and immature. But those were really places where you could grow up and learn God's love. And um, it was just a special time. But for me, I understood God's call on my life. When did you realize that that vocational call went beyond from just being a local church pastor or pastor's wife? Well, um, as my son says now, Scott, we call him. <laughs> Scotty, Not I think you were the only one that got away with Scotty. <laughs> Scotty too hottie. That's what he always said. Scotty too hottie. I don't know. So, um, but I think for me, my call was always um, very connected to Lloyd's call. Um, and I don't believe God calls one spouse without the other spouse, even though it may be centered more on, you know, the one spouse more than the other. And so I, we both knew that Lloyd had a, a gifting of counseling, but he would always say, I, I hate having to take people from A to, you know, Z. It took so long. And he wanted to um, just get some training in that so he would understand it a little um, better. And, and so that's when he felt God was calling him to go back to get a master's in counseling. And I said to him, do you see our budget, honey? <laughs> this is not going to be good here to go back. Um, but as we pray, and, and Lloyd and I, whenever we were praying for a bigger decision, we would pray separately. And then we would come together and we would see if God was saying the same thing to both of us. If we were getting different messages, we knew God wasn't mixed up. It was us. So we would yeah. go back and pray separately again. And then um, we would see what uh, what God was leading us. And we both felt, okay, the budget isn't showing really good, but, um, you know, we're going to follow God in this calling. So, yeah, we went to Bethany to get credited. Uh, he did have degree, but it wasn't credited. So we had to go get a credited degree, which took um, three years. 
and then we went on to Asbury. And out of those five years, um, we owed nothing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that that'll just that's just a quick saying how God supplied. And certainly uh, God's faithfulness. And uh, we're going to talk about how you've been able to experience God's faithfulness, especially in a uh, very practical way. I just wanted to draw attention to Wesleyan.org. This is the uh, the denomination in which we serve. But you've served at headquarters. You've served with some of the elite leaders within the denomination. Can you just talk about the Wesleyan denomination? Sometimes people say when they see the inside, they aren't as impressed. But it seems as though whether it's Dr. Schmidt or Anita Eastlack, that they really are people of integrity. Oh, my goodness. I, um, I I did not look for this job. Again, God knew what was ahead, his faithfulness again. And um, I was called and asked if I would have an interview there 10 and a half years ago. Um, we were living in Macon at the time, and uh, we didn't know what our next move was and God just opened it up and um and so I just got a yes you're right an inside look and the passion of the people the passion of the leaders the uh, I mean I I have the privilege now of working with them uh, Dr. Anita Eastlack and I just she has taught me so much personally and our whole team because um, we work in the church multiplication and discipleship division. But her whole team of 13 of us, I mean, she just pours into our lives personally, but also just a heart for the church, a view from the, the pew, she keeps telling us, a view from the pew, and uh, um, just to, like, how can we serve the districts and the churches. How can we serve? We're here to serve, and that's the that's the whole message. So it's just been a beautiful, um, a beautiful place for me to extend my ministry call. Now, my understanding is you either just completed vacation or you're going on vacation. Uh, either how did it go, or what do you anticipate? Well, I just came back, and uh, this is my first vacation without Lloyd. Now, you weren't supposed to mention that because there might be tears on this one. But um, so it was like, oh, I didn't have to worry about it last year. COVID, no one was going anywhere. This year, it was, oh, what am I going to do? I don't want to go alone. I can't go to Canada where my family is because of the borders closed. And so, um, again, God opened up and I, I made connection with a lady that I fell in love with at Asbury Seminary 23 years ago, Jeff. And God opened it up and I drove by myself to Kentucky and we just had a beautiful three days of just reminiscing and, and our theme that this last week um, when we were together I said, let, let our, let's have our theme be the faithfulness of God, um, you know, over this last 23 years. So as we shared everything that happened, the faithfulness of God sure came out a lot of times. Rhonda, when was Lloyd first diagnosed with cancer? Um, he was diagnosed the September the 1st, 2019. 
That's the first we knew he had brain cancer, and he died September the 14th, two weeks later. And so for yourself, a lot of people that are Christians, they would say, uh, God's been with me the whole way. But a lot of us that are Christians, we know we still have doubts. We still have fears. We go through this journey wondering and questioning. How has God really helped you answer some of those questions or been with you during some of those fears? Well, there have been fears, at least fears that would try to, you know, rear their ugly head. And um, God had been teaching me Philippians 4, 4 to 9, um, be right before this. Like, don't worry about anything, but with thanksgiving, present everything to me. Watch your thinking, keep putting it into practice, rejoice in me always. And um, so again, I think the faithfulness of God, knowing this was coming, he was again reminding me of that scripture and how to practically use it. Uh, I know it wasn't likely written in step by step by step, but my brain like step by step by step. And so it became a step by step by step. You rejoice. Don't worry, pray, but pray with thanksgiving, linking it to whatever that prayer was. Let your thanksgiving be linked to that prayer and then watch your thoughts and then keep putting it in practice. So every time fear would try to rear its ugly head, I would go back to those steps. And some days I was doing the steps several times during the day. But um, I, I said to God, I know that you love me as much as you love Lloyd, who you took home to be with you. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to live in that love and in your faithfulness and in your promise that you will guard my heart and mind as I live in Christ Jesus. If I, And so I did say to him at one point, um, now, God, you said you'd be the husband to the widow. So um, this is what Lloyd, where Lloyd always helped me. So I'm meeting you. So that's how we kind of continued our relationship. Um, he would be what I would need as a, a husband. And whew, all the things that I had to learn and decisions I had to make. And um, we always did that together. So it was, it was a new day for me, but he has been faithful. When I look back now, it's almost two years. It's hard to believe, but he has been faithful with every stinking thing that I thought, can I do this, God? I don't know if I can do this, but yes, but you know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength and he sure did. And that's so good. And I thank you for your uh, openness and vulnerability, just sharing that. Uh, we spoke uh, on the phone a little while ago, and you shared a story, and I agree, how I grew up kind of uh, strict, maybe somewhat legalistic. And I felt if I just did the right things for God, then he would help me out instead of realizing that his forgiveness, his freedom, his healing is constantly available as I learn to abide and rest in him. Could you just share about whether it's that experience of when you realized God loved you no matter what and your identity was safe and secure in Christ, but also how how that's helped you get through these difficult days. 
Well, yeah, Jeff, that was a big old boat that I had to turn around in my life um, with the legalism and the strictness. And um, actually, I, I, be, I gave my life to God as a young girl, like six years old, very young. But I think it was more out of fear than out of love. Um, heard a lot of sermons on the hell and, you know, so then I didn't want as a little girl go to hell. So every time I did something wrong, it was like altar again. And um, so because just in case, you know, I might um, I might die. I didn't want. So I really my first part of my relationship with God was really out of fear and thankful again for his faithfulness, even though he knew that is not the way he wanted our relationship to be. Right. You know, he's just so gracious. And he just keeps working with us, you know, step by step by step. But um, I came to the point that, I mean, I was reading everything I could about the love of God. I was playing on my piano, the love of God, and I would sing songs over and over and over again about the love of God, trying to understand that. But when you are brought up um, in some circles with on like with very conditional love, if you do this, you are loved. If you don't, then you have to work yourself up the ladder to be loved again which was very much what I felt that um, I needed to do. So to think that God would love me, even when I didn't do everything that he might have wanted, I didn't know where to put that in my head. No, no. If, if, if you love me, then I need to do everything perfect. And uh, this is how bad it was. I remember when Lloyd and I got married, one of our very first disagreements <laughs> fights <laughs> was um i mean and we just did not agree and and there was there was some stronger voices um well not from him but from me um and he was never he was always kind of even tem tempered um but afterwards he came and he hugged me and i can remember just like revolting against that hug like what are you doing hugging me and he said, well, why wouldn't I? I said, because I haven't done anything to earn back your love yet. Mm. So that's how deep it was in me. And he said, honey, it was, we had a disagreement. That doesn't take my love away from you. Didn't know where to put that in my head. Um, and so God started to teach me. And I don't even know, I was at camp again, at Ivanhoe camp. Don't even know what the evangelist was speaking on, but somehow God took everything that Lloyd had been trying to share with me, all the verses I've been trying to put in my head about God's love, all the playing on the piano over and over again, God's love. And somehow in that service where I was sitting in the seat all by myself, God just washed over me. I don't even know how else to say it, but oh my goodness, I am loved no matter what. He, he can only love. That's his whole nature. He can only love. So he can't love me less or love me more. He just loves me. Oh, my goodness. So that was a big, one of the big turnarounds in my life. Um, and then the other big turnaround was I was a very independent Christian. But, um, yeah, so that that's where it all began. It was like, oh, I, I'm just loved. Like, and I just, I just 
I didn't want to go away from that beautiful feeling that God just loves me. It was beautiful when I finally got it. <laughs> now, Rhonda, how has being a parent and being a grandparent helped you in that understanding of just loving as God loves? <laughs> it, it has been beautiful for me to put it into practice. However, I had to learn to do that also. I remember the first time when it, this washed over me, God loves and he's not going to turn his back on me and just walk away. And then I have to do something to make him talk to me or so forth. And I remember doing that with Scott um, one time when he was younger, right after I had learned this concept. And right away I realized, because we had had, he had done something I didn't like and whatever it was. I don't know what it was now. But I had walked out of the kitchen and down the hall. And God stopped me right in the middle of the hall. And he said, I love you unconditionally. I don't walk away. Oh, my goodness. I turned back around and I thought, this is where I can put this into practice with my children. And now, yes, with my grandchildren. And so I went back into the kitchen and um, restarted that conversation, worked through it with love. And, um, yeah, I remember that very, very well. So it was a, a change for sure. So, Rhonda, I had a conversation with Reverend Scott Moore, your son, Scotty Moore, and he said that uh, you shared with their congregation about what God had done and been faithful and in your life. And he was just sharing with me that he feels that you have a story that God's going to use and God's going to allow you uh, on the platform, possibly more than you were in the past. You said before you thought that it was your job your position to help support lloyd are you nervous about this possibility are you excited do you feel like god would have you uh share more in the context that you kind of stood be behind lloyd in well here's the the thing you know you just um I i'm not really nervous or i'm not even excited because i really don't know what it is that god wants but I do know that several, several, several years ago, God put something in my spirit to want to share. And I would say, no, 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 God, I, what would I share? But I can't talk to people. I would get too nervous. No, 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 no. So I just kept pushing, pushing that away. And, and every once in a while, again, he would bring it up. You know, I want you to be able to share with people. Now, I didn't mind sharing with people like, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, if I had learned something, um, I didn't mind sharing that. If it was okay with Lloyd, if it's something personal, like, and he was okay with it, I didn't mind sharing. This is what I've learned. It's beautiful. God is wonderful. But to share in front of more than more than one-on-one, -on -one, it was like, no, God, no, no. Mm -hmm. But he brought steps where... I was invited to a speak up with confidence. Why would I go to a speak up with confidence? But I was invited to go, you know, I went to there. Then when I moved to Florida, someone asked me to go to Toastmasters, which is learning how to speak in front of people. Like, why would that? So I'm, 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 I'm seeing what is happening here, but still not knowing where that is all gonna play in. Just saying, okay, I don't know, but I'm, I'm gonna just keep step by step by step. And so that's kind of what I'm doing now. Um, uh, it's it's I have no idea what God wants to do with this, um, but I have finally 
it took me a long time to say this, but I have finally said, God, if you open the door, I will step through it. So since then, I've had, I think, three times that I've been able to share my story, my faith with churches. Um, and then when you asked me to do an interview, I thought, oh, no, God, this is what you're doing too. Okay, I don't even know what to say or, you know, how to say it, but okay, we're going to step into it. And um, so that's what I'm doing now. I, I have no idea what God is going to do, where he's going to lead. If it's just going to be a few little times here and there, if it's going to be something different, I have no idea. But I'm not going after it. I did that once and God shut all the doors. Yeah. So I said, I'm not going after. I'm just going to be open to what God is, you know, where it seems like he's leading. And um, yeah, so that's that's the way I'm looking at it right now. Well, as you're aware, my wife is uh, undergoing chemotherapy treatments, and uh, she shared with me at the beginning of the diagnosis that it's been clarifying, clarifying conversations, clarifying relationships. And instead of planning five, 10 years down the road, we're just trying to plan on whatever God opens. I want to be faithful and obedient. Right. If Lloyd did not endure what he did and ultimately pass into God's presence, do you think you would have that same type of focused thinking? Well, you never know how God's going to work with you, right? And how he may, I mean, if he if his plans are that this is what he wanted me to do, even if Lloyd was here, he would certainly know how to bring me around to have that focus. So um, I can't say I would or I wouldn't. However, I do know that um, Lloyd was seeing it more and more in my life too, and was starting to encourage it more and more also. Um, he was my great uh, cheerleader and and always was in life. That's one of the things that's a little a little harder now that, um, you know, his, his view was, hey, if it doesn't work, we'll go with plan B. Give it a try, Rhonda, that type of thing. Well, now I don't have that. Should I? So God has to be my um, cheerleader, and I'm just trying to lean into that. And so would I have been more focused? I don't know. But going through these things with Lloyd, of course, the last cancer, we knew just two weeks. I mean, yeah, two weeks. But he had been struggling with health since 2012, so for seven and a half years. Um, but, yeah, I think that certainly um, drew my focus more intently to God and what was he doing and what did he want for, yeah, for lives. Never thinking that death was going to be just around the corner though, but. Yeah. Uh, when you look at Scott, when you watch him, do you see Lloyd in him or do you see more of yourself in Scott? <laughs> well, I don't know whether he would agree with this or not, but what I see is something that Lloyd said before um, he he died. He said, it is so beautiful to see that Scott has gone way past what I could or would ever do, that God was using him in such a beautiful, beautiful way. Um, how I see my son is that I think he has more of my personality, but thankfully he has more of his dad's thinking. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I love that, um, you know, he can think deeply and think through things before making like a, a decision. 
Um, so I love that. I love that um, part of him too. And so for myself, being a pastor, uh, over the last five weeks, we've had six memorial services, and some were due to those passing with COVID, and the families just wanted to wait until they could get together. For you this past year, year and a half especially, how terrifying has it been? But how how has God met you during a pandemic with the loss of a husband? Well, he died in September of 2019. I had so much to learn and go through to figure things out. And I was just getting like breathing again that, okay, I think I, I think I know where I, where things are and so forth. Um, I mean, when you don't even know how to start a lawnmower, you have a lot to learn. <laughs> he would always just get a starter for me and then I would do the work, whatever it was, you know, but, um, but then when COVID hit the 1st of March, right up from September to then, I hated, hated the weekends. I could go to work in my office and I could come home at night to a quiet house and that was okay. But to spend Saturday and Sunday at home in the house that was so quiet all by myself for the weekend, it was like I was so glad to get back to, to work. So when they said that we were going to be at home, I thought, okay, just a month. I can do a month. I was thinking just a month. I, you know, who, who knew? But just a month. And I said, God, you know, I hated just a weekend. You are really going to have to help me here to be here all day and all night. Because at that point, we weren't even going to stores or anything um, when it first started. And my daughter was, Mom, please, you're in that age bracket that's more you know, vulnerable for it. So let me get the groceries and stuff for you. Please don't be independent here and do it. I, let me get it. So I tried to. I listened. So it was really me in the house for for several months now, because it wasn't just one that went on and on and on and on. And um, all I can say, Jeff, I don't even know how I did it. Knowing what I was like before, all I can say is God heard that prayer and God said, I've got you, girl. I've got you. And um, uh, yeah, so it, uh, it did not bother me. I would say out of all of that time, 18 months and we're, I'm still working from home yet. Um, that may change in the next month, but um, it, uh, I think maybe only two weeks that I have a, mm, okay. And again, God brought to my mind, Rhonda, what have you been thinking? Watch your thinking. And so that has just been a key to me to, because sometimes I'm thinking, I always call it, it's back here. The thoughts don't really make their way to the front. And so I don't really don't know. But I've been very focused on what have I been thinking? Is that thought true to God's truth or is it not? And if it's not, then change it. Um, and the other thing that we learned actually through Lloyd's help and God taught us there. And uh, and I did it the whole time that I was home with COVID was... Um, when I'm praying, and I said this earlier at the first, but it's such a key for me, um, is to link my thanks with whatever I my concern was that I wow. gave to God. Like it's not give my concern to God and then thank him for the wonderful day. This doesn't help my concern that I just gave to him. It, thank him, yes, for the wonderful day. But I found that every time I presented whatever it was to him, my concern, 
I would find something to thank him for right in the middle of that concern. So when we went through those seven years of help with Lloyd, um, he and I together out loud would thank God for one thing about his health because that day, whether he was able to get out of the bed, then we thank God for that. If he was able to lay on the grass and help me pull weeds out of a flower bed, which he did, then we would thank God for that. But it was always linked to what whatever our concern was. And so if I had concerns during COVID, I would present that and I would link my thanks to it immediately. And then I would watch my thoughts of, as I progressed. So I God honored his word. Um, I followed his word. I kept putting it into practice and he gave a peace and guarded my heart. So um, well, that's wonderful. That's something I'm going to write down and hopefully incorporate in my uh, daily uh, spiritual disciplines as well. Um, it's been said that the older one gets, the smarter their parents become. And so I would love to ask Scotty or Scott, you to ask, to tell me what Scott should be learning now, the older that he gets. But I'm going to ask you, what are some things that your parents, your family displayed, revealed, shared when you were younger that you didn't realize until now and in the stage of life you're at? Wow. Um Well, I am very thankful that they brought me up to 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 know who God was. Um, even though some of my thinking got messed up, I'm very thankful that I I was able to um, to know Him. At least I had that foundation. And so, and the other thing that I had to learn and. Um, I don't know why this got mixed up in my life, but I know that they depended on God. But I be, I was a very independent person. <laughs> I, I was kind of like a Christian. I, I was a Christian, but acted more like, I don't know, maybe an atheist. Maybe that's too strong a word. But, you know, I mean, Rhonda thought Rhonda could do it. And so if things came up, who was the first person I went to? Rhonda. Okay, what are we going to do here? And Jeff, I think God showed me a verse in the Bible one day when I was reading. And it said, without me, you can do nothing. Wow. And I said, God, that doesn't even make sense, like without you. And I listed all the things that I have done. I'm sure at that point he was going, ah, you know, <laughs> but he, he listened to all the things that I told him that I had done. So for you, I now I know your word is true, so I'm not. I'm not questioning your word, but God, I don't even know where to put that in my life. Like without you, I can do nothing. That is like, and uh, so I knew um, understanding God's love, he will show me. I didn't know how, but one day I was in my kitchen and going from my kitchen to my dining room and we had an evangelist stay at our house at that point. And I I was just putting things on the table, getting ready for supper. And all of a sudden, my feet would not move from my kitchen floor. They were like stuck. And I had been going through a little, some health problems at the time. I thought, oh, no, what now? So I tried to move my feet with the food in my hand, and I can't move. And I stopped, and I heard so lovingly. It wasn't condemning it wasn't anything like that. And it just, the, in my head, I heard, you said you can do it without me. 
walk. And I, I immediately knew it was, oh, no. You would have thought, oh, God, that's what that first meant. No, Rhonda goes into Rhonda, and I will show you I can walk. And I am trying to move my feet off that floor. I can't walk. I can't move them. And I, I stopped, and I heard again, same words again, so softly, but so compassionately. I can remember that feeling. Yet. And so as soon as I heard them again, you said you can do it without me. Walk. I tried again, love, that, that's pretty independent, isn't it? Pretty independent. And about and I couldn't walk. About that time, the evangelist and Lloyd came up the stairs and the evangelist said to me, seeing I was in this situation, what is God trying to tell you? Now, why would he say that first? Like, really? And I said, oh, I don't think anything, lie. Um, I don't think anything. Um, he said, well, I think he's trying to tell you something. And then I, I broke down and I told him the truth. So he told Lloyd as the priest of my home um, that needed to pray um, against the independent spirit that I had. And uh, Lloyd came over, he put his arm around me, I'm leaning on him and, um, and he prayed and they went back downstairs and I was able to move my feet. And as I'm standing in front of the kitchen sink, I said to God, so this is what my parents, how they depended on you. Wow. So this is, so I, you even give me a, the ability to walk. That's crazy. Amazing. I just took that for granted. So I don't take those things for granted because God wanting to be intimately involved in our lives, as the Bible tells us, then why wouldn't he you know, be the one that would help me to walk or help me to be creative in my thinking or help me to be at home alone or or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, that I think maybe that might be the biggest thing that um, has that I've learned as I've got older. <laughs> well, Rhonda, you're amazing. You know, our family uh, loves you and that has a beautiful family. I've already shared how much I love uh, Scott and his family as well. And we'll get you out um, on this last question. And it's simply, I had breakfast with a friend this morning and he talked about the importance of being teachable because how he grew up was very similar to probably you and I. And uh, he looks back with great guilt and frustration, how people could become so legalistic with the gospel when God's trying to share good news and help people and his Holy Spirit's always at work and his word is alive. But the question is, for those that aren't teachable, they look back at all the excuses or even reasons to be mad at God or turn away from the faith. What would you tell them about desperately pursuing Jesus, even in the middle of pain and suffering? I think I would like to give you the example of Lloyd's sister. Lloyd's sister is the same age as I am. And when she was a teenager, so that's many years ago, um, she had, she wanted to, she tried to have a friend come to church, invited, invited, invited. Finally, the friend came to church and she went to the altar that morning and gave her heart to the Lord. As she's leaving the church, one of the dear saints of God, in quotes, but God still loved them, told her what she couldn't, couldn't do any longer because she was now a Christian. So she had to take this off and not do this and do this and do this and this. 
And this friend could not understand why in the world you would have to do that because she actually had a school ring on at a time and that was no longer going to be part of it. And she said, well, why do I have to take that off when you've got your pin on your lapel, sir? And he says, well, that's my veteran pin. That means a lot to me. And she said, well, my school ring means a lot to me. But no, she had to do it. She walked out of that church never to return. I, I hope that you know, somewhere along the line, she was able to be taught that that is not what a relationship with God is about. But what it did to my sister-in-law was that she didn't want to have anything more to the church to do with the church or with God. So for, ooh, I, I don't even want to guess, but it was 20 plus years, 25 plus years, maybe she, no, she didn't want to. And she decided one day, God, if you are truly a loving God, if you are truly God and not all that stuff that I saw or was told, then I'm going to read the Bible and I am going to read it like I've never, as if I've never read it before. So she picks up her Bible after years and years of not doing it. She did not tell any of us that she was doing this. And for three years, she just read the Bible and let God speak to her through the Bible of who he was and what kind of a relationship he wanted with her without all of the other, you know, things that. And after three years, she said, you truly are who you say you are. And she gave her life to God and she is a firehouse for God now. But she had to go back and just. Just let God's word, he's already told, he's like, as if he's speaking to us. He, I mean, he inspired it, but he is speaking to us. So I would say just, just read the Bible. And, and I, I did this too. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over and over and over again, just to see how he related to people. Yeah. And I want, if he related to people that way, then he will relate to me now. And so I read it with me in the story, not with me in, you know, 2021, if that's what, you know, and reading the story. I put myself into the scripture like I was there and I read it. And if I had been there, how would God or Jesus related to me when he was on earth? So I would just say to to give Jesus a chance to show who he is without all of that other stuff. And I think they'll find that Jesus is a beautiful, compassionate, and as John tells us, he loves us lavishly. I love that word. I mean, he just adores us. And uh, yeah, so that's what I would say. And he will be so faithful in leading because he knows the intent of our hearts and what we're, we're wanting. Well, Rhonda, thank you so much for making the time. Uh, we love you, and we are cheering you on from here in Vermont, and you certainly mean so much to us and uh, the ministry that God has for you. Uh, just keep being obedient to those open doors, and I just um, thank you again for making the time to share part of your story uh, with us today. So, uh, Rhonda, thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff, and please tell Bethany we're praying, praying for her, praying for your family. Um, we don't know how God's going to answer a prayer, but boy, oh boy, he will give everything that we need as we go, go through it. I just wanted to give one verse here. 
um, that I looked up just before because I thought it's so true. So Isaiah 43, and maybe this is for you guys. When you go through deep waters, when you go through rivers of difficulty, when you walk through the fire of oppression, I mean, we, we, we still live. We still go through hard times. But on every one of those things, God assures us, I will be with you. And, uh, you know, I would have... I would have preferred Lloyd staying here, but I bow to the mystery of what God is wanting to do. And, um, but he's with me. So what more, yeah. What more can I um, just thank God for? He is. Rhonda, we love you. Thank you so much. We'll uh, hopefully talk to you again soon and we'll certainly keep in touch. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. And again, that's Rhonda Moore making some time. She works at the headquarters, wesleyan.org. You can find more information there. And uh, if you're watching or hearing on the first time, uh, podcast, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Living Hope Wesleyan, or on the YouTube channel, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, we believe we are to be like God, and God sent his son to be for people. So let us be for people as well and show his love in practical ways. Thank you so much. <laughs>